0: And we are recording again. Three,
1: two. Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Heirs Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go.
2: From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Heirs Podcast. I'm Bull
0: I'm Berg. And I'm Vicker.
2: This is the podcast, the show, that shows you what's behind the collar. Good to have you with us. Peter's here too. Hey Pete, you know this might be an emotional show, Bird. Yes. Why? Because this is this is your last time in the near future for you to be in studio. Dun dun dun. How do you feel about that? Makes me sad. I can tell. You're. <laughs> you look so sad. <laughs> yeah. So the plan is, we mentioned it in the last podcast, to still yep. have you on. So
0: hopefully in like three or four hours from when this drops, we'll be driving the truck to Cheyenne, Wyoming.
2: Cheyenne. And uh, that's how far is that from 15.0? Uh, a long way. Is it? He's in Rollins.
0: I have no idea where that is. It's so. on the
2: interstate. It's on the same interstate. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Because he gets a lot of transient people in town because it's like a town between nowhere, but it's on the interstate.
0: I thought that just listen to the podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yes, we already have a, uh, a um, Toxin Tasting Studios West. We do. So, um, with that in mind, uh, uh, we have something for you to open over here. We do? Yes, we do. <sighs> okay. Another thing for you to pack. You might want to keep that box. <laughs> All right, it's
0: from Amazon.
2: Uh, look at that. Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: It looks like a mic stand and some headphones and a microphone. Scarlett 2 3rd Gen. Okay, that's, that's yours. That's your interface. Okay.
2: You're uh, a small version of, see this box right here that plugs into your computer? Yeah. That's one of those.
0: All right. And then there is a professional three-layers pop filter. That's what, what you're talking yep, to right now. Yep. So thank you very and much. It has uh, the boom arm. Indeed, we'll be living the dream in my closet in Cheyenne. (laughs) Are there beaches in Cheyenne?
3: There's lots of
2: sand. I hope so. (laughs) They say
0: she just went crazy.
2: Oh, do you know what's out there? A lot of uh,
0: hot springs, right? I love hot springs. It's amazing.
2: I went to one when we went to the Ordination in Rollins. You did? Yeah. I I knew you looked like 10 years younger. Yeah, but I think parts of me got a little too hot. (laughs) vicar what do you have to say about that
3: at least you're not trying to have any more kids
2: that's right how do you know that vicar i guess i don't there you go i'll ask julie (laughs) careful my son's here (laughs) hi (laughs) welcome to the we're back so and uh, we're back Like, Um, they don't even know we just cut out, but we just cut out something, and we just go, and we're back. (laughs) So, um, Berg? (laughs) you tried to do it again. (laughs) I heard it. (laughs) There is something else I did for you. Oh, yeah? It's something I haven't done in a little while. I have made a dedication for you. Oh, man. Have you ever made a dedication for me? I have not. No, I've made one to Julie. Yeah? And I made one for who else? Did I make one your mom. My mom. Wow. That's I... right. And Peter made one for me. And you haven't made one to your dad yet? No. Oh man. No. Well, we did we did do a, ser- a sermon. And if we have time, that's what actually what I might want to do. I think that'd be a good idea. Is that a good wa- a sermon of his? Yeah, I think that'd be good. Okay. All right. So, but let's listen to this dedication. Do you have it there, Pete? Berg 3 years ago I sent you a text On Thursday, January 10th, 2019. It said, "We should do a podcast." You replied, "Yes." You're probably thinking there's no way that Bullhagen would carry through. Well, here we are, 3 years later. You've taught me the four C's of Christian podcasting. Constant planning, current and timely episodes, a quality producer, an associate producer. Wait, that's a Q. Anyways, there's another C somewhere. I wanna thank you, Berg. Every week, I've had the chance to learn and to forget A new word. You've added, that's great, it's going to be rad, to my lexicon. You taught me the high art of riffing on that. You have reminded me that some heresies and blasphemies may lead to eternal damnation, but somehow they are still bodacious. As you head off to Wyoming, to teach the next generation words they will never use. Please know that we spent a lot of money to guilt you into staying with the podcast for the years ahead by buying you an expensive microphone. I know nothing will bring you greater joy than for people to continue to add us, bro, and to find news articles that will not only ruin your day, the rest of your evening. As the world falls apart, may the Clerical errors podcast prepare every listener for the day that we will all be rocked to sleep. You're welcome, Berg, for the best three years of your life. May it continue in the dry, deserted land of Wyoming.
0: <laughs> it's so beautiful.
2: <laughs> I actually think Berg got a little emotional listening to that. Oh, boy. I think that that place where your heart is supposed to be felt warm.
0: (sighs) Emotions. Gross.
2: (laughs) This is what we have to
0: say about emotions. (laughs) All right. What do you have? Uh, You got uh... a back pocket brewing uh, slingshot dunkle. So here we go.
3: I've got a Perrier. Look at that. And I'm doing the same. Dark lager slingshot. Dunkler. I imagine
2: Wyoming has a decent amount of uh, microbrews.
0: You know, we have a canter that distills alcohol, you know, like bourbon and whiskey. And wow. So, you know, it's going to be rad.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, it is out there. They probably have no other means. Of...
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to do something with it. With a meager crop that you then, you
2: know. <laughs> I mean, you're going to a metropolitan area, and I'm talking. Anyways.
0: <laughs> Although, have you ever thought that a capital would be like 60,000 people?
2: No, not really. I mean, you know. Although, I have been to the capital of North Dakota. Do you remember that, Pete? It's the tallest building in, I think it was at Minot? North I don't da- remember it. Bismarck? Bismarck. Yeah. Do you have a donut? No, I did not. You (laughs) should have. So this is your last show in the studio. It is. How are you feeling about this? Truly. It is super emotional. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It it is weird when you accept a call. I remember when I came here.
0: It's super weird.
2: I mean, like,
0: you never know how much people actually, like, listen to you.
2: Until you leave, right? So you, you, do, know. you uh, it's it's kind of like, a, um, it's kind of like a mom hug. In this way, I you're not wrong, right? Because and it's just
0: like constant too, and it's just it's hard. It's do you know why I say this for, is actually one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life?
2: Because you take take a people that you are. Quite literally willing to die for. And you say. I got to leave. Yeah. Right. I mean. And the reason why I call it like a mom hug is this is. um uh When you, you hug your mom, like say they come over for a little while and you say goodbye. Like they save a mom will save the most important thing that like they want to say, like as they're leaving. Right. And as you're hugging them. Yeah, it kind of reminds
0: me of the Terry Redland series. Uh, you know his uh... the artist. Yeah. Yes, got it. You did. Good work. <laughs> I prefer <You> Fargo
2: Harson, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know he's got a a, muse- a museum in uh, South Dakota uh, at, at Watertown. I've been there; it's really nice. And he has the series of uh, basically how this boy is growing up, and the final painting is when the military come to give his mom the flag, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just really just heartbreaking. And that's kind of, it's kind of like how it is here.
2: Only I am not dead, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I remember when I took the call, thought, like, the like one of my hardest things to do was, like, seeing the shut-ins for the last time. Especially
0: the ones that don't know you're leaving yet, even though it's been in the bulletin, right? And that's hard.
2: And and so. and knowing that for some of them, like for me, I knew that for a good portion of it, like I was the one that visited them the most, right? Of anybody else. So yeah, I don't mean I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound, but this is behind the collar stuff, right? It is,
0: you know, it is hard, like. And people talk about it as if it's a promotion, and it's not a promotion. That's the thing. It's not.
2: Right. Um, I mean, I've had calls that people would consider a promotion that I didn't take, and they're like, they were surprised.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not about that. It's about using your talents that the Lord has given you in the best way that you can. Right. You know?
2: And... And that, that's what, that, so to people who, because our strength is behind the collar, uh, I would say things that go in to, because I've considered a call, what was that, like maybe two or three years ago? Was that the one to Davenport? Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, I took an extra week because I wasn't sure. It's hard. It is hard to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, but the th- things that that go on, it, you know, for example, for me, the things that I thought about and considering that call, is, um, I knew that uh, that the the vicarage program provides me a, an opportunity to be a blessing in that way, and I wasn't didn't know if I would have that opportunity, but to, since I I think I like to think I'm, one of my gifts is to be a vicarage supervisor. Yeah. I don't know if Vicar thinks that. I do. <laughs> okay. Well, it, com- and, it comes up a lot.
0: But the thing is, is like you would have been the senior pastor and you would have had another pastor too, which could have also been a... Yeah. That, you know, so that, I don't know. Could it's just, but it's you know, hard. as
2: as I thought about it though, is I also noticed that by the end of the year I'm kinda tired of the Vicar and ready them to go. Right. You'd have to live with this one. <laughs> right. Ah. So but, yeah, it is. So you think about how can I be, where would I be well, best and I, as God's you know, servant? and I, I gave, this being used?
0: I gave a decade of my life to this place, roughly, mm-hmm. you know? Just about. Not quite a decade, but, you know. And uh, it is. It's hard to leave in a lot of ways, so.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked, you know. I've told you that I'm going to miss you.
0: Yeah. You also that... told me that it's the best for me, too.
2: Right. You know, and that's the thing, is that... Uh, now, I hope people in Latimer don't get mad at me, but...
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it is good, because when you do these kind of things, you seek out counsel. hmm And you try to serve God's church according to your abilities in that place. So, you know, I mean... It's never about us. Mm-hmm. It's about serving God's church. Yeah,
2: because for me, too, I also think about my family. That plays an important role. Yeah. Because um, because there's some pastors who might say, well, you know, the living situation, all those things are just—I mean, you're there to be a pastor. Those things don't—but as—I'm as, as, going to use your wording, but guys, yeah. listen— <laughs> Well, Um, you know, that the fact that most people who wind up leaving the ministry, why do they wind up leaving? Money. Right. Or family problems. Yeah, family
0: problems, yeah.
2: Right? So, I mean that that does if if it's a situation where it's better suited for your family, that does play a role because we're called to be fathers and husbands as well.
0: And I don't wanna that, Have anybody think that it's family problems or anything? No, you know, no. I'm, I'm just I'm just playing know.
2: through what goes through when someone does consider a call.
0: It is a very difficult thing. Like, it is. It, it you know, and I don't know if you ever read uh, uh, Pastor Peterson from Redeemer. Hmm. He he's got some really I think nice things to say about it, and really nice. Yeah, uh, I think he calls them nuggets. Right Where you can kind of like, you know, nuggets of uh, wisdom when you consider a call. Mm -hmm. And I think they're really, they're really wonderful. And you can go see them on their website, Redeemer, Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. You know, so. All right. So,
2: Hannah, post that on our Facebook page. (laughs) If you're listening. Of course. Unless she's upset at our last episode where... She found out that you were moving to Wyoming. Why? But I why feel bad she, about that. Well,
0: why would she care?
2: Yeah, I'm that moving farther farther than it? out. Yeah. I mean, oh, you know, she she's been she's invested in this. She came down here. Of course, she cares. She stayed in a camp that didn't have use of a restroom. Yeah, the bandit was freezing. All that. I mean, you know, for you, I mean, yeah,
0: for me, no. For the well,
3: she skipped my preaching because she said, "I want to hear Berg preach." Not the vicar.
2: Yeah, she goes. Oh, you preach? I said the vicars. Oh, I'll go to Latin. Well, and then I feel bad because, <laughs> like,
0: I had to go fill in an Alden, and then I wasn't there for Bible study. So you know, but <sighs>
2: the things you do for people. Yeah, it is. But it's the weirdest feeling. It is taking a call. It is. You know, I've tough. done. I've only done it once, and that's been twenty years ago. But I. It's still. I get that when I decline a call, I understand that too because you feel the same way. You do, you know.
0: It's just it's tough. I don't know. So, yeah.
2: so what are we preaching on, Vicar? <sighs> well, the
3: text is for uh, it's Lent one, right? Mm-hmm. Sunday Lent one, and it's Matthew chapter four, verses one through eleven. So, and what's the Sunday called? Lent one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Invocavit.
3: Eh, it doesn't say that in here, so I didn't know. <laughs> I'm just a vicar. And it's uh, the temptation of Jesus. We were just talking about
0: that last week. Wow, we? amazing. Yeah, it is pretty amazing.
3: You want me to read it? So Please. All right. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil.
2: All right, vicar, this is, this is our second show. We're talking slower and quieter, <laughs> and we're getting a little emotional. So say it like you mean it.
3: (laughs) And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God.
2: You could say is temptation really at heart is a theological debate, wouldn't you say? Go on. Because what were they arguing about? I mean, the interpretation of scripture. Yeah. The devil was using scripture, and and at the heart of temptation was none not unlike uh, his temptation of of Eve. Yeah. Th- did God really say it was an argument about? the nature of God and his desire and his word. So how would you preach that today? How do you preach that? Well, you say that it's uh, just that way. Temptation is, can be, is a theological debate. The desire to sin is teaches you to question God's word, to question his will for you, to question his salvation, to seek something better, uh, not by faith, by what brings you in your own mind, good. Another thing I would say with that is, one of my favorite lines that I say that uh, I like, but I think people connect with, is, it's probably going to bother you, and that is, temptation is by nature tempting. And what I mean by that is, the, if, if, if temptation is a theological debate, the, temptation comes in a way that actually appeals to you. It comes in a way that sounds good and right. It comes in a way that's convincing to you, Mm -hmm. and the devil knows this. So when I say temptation is by nature tempting, what it means is you also have to be on guard and be mindful of Scripture so that these temptations, which actually do appeal to you and appeal to your own sense of reasoning, uh, to always fall back on what God's Word actually says. Um, And so... uh, People might uh, say, "Well, I'm not tempted like the Pharisees or the, the rich young man. I have kept all of these te- these commandments." Mm-hmm. But what was his problem? He he didn't understand who his neighbor was. Yeah. So, uh, the first thing I, I would say is about this is that we learn that temptation is a, actually a theological debate. The second thing you could say about this is the fact that. These temptations were done in your place. Jesus uh, uh, um, conquered these temptations on our behalf. So you see this when he was baptized. What happened after he was baptized, Vicar? Immediately he was driven out to be tempted by the devil. Yep. Uh, The other thing... Led by the Spirit, even. Right. And the fact that he was out in the wilderness like the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. And... We obviously know for the forty years, on the forty days, but the forty years that they did not uh, fare too well in the midst of temptation with their grumbling and they falling didn't. after false gods. What? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Look it up. It's in uh, I believe Exodus, you might is that right, Vicar? Is that right? numbers and Deuteronomy <laughs> you know? Probably yeah. more numbers in Deuteronomy. Okay. So. Um and the and I would say Along that lines, he did it perfectly in our place. Kim. So, although we have we have fallen into temptation, uh, by Christ Jesus, uh, he has fulfilled that on our behalf, which then gives us strength in our own temptation. Another thing you can point out is the the humanity of Jesus. Yep, he went out there hungry. Yep, he fasted for 40, 40 days, which is what you should do too. We talked about it in the last episode. That's right. I don't know forty. I don't know if I would ask everyone to fast. You don't have to go
0: without eating for forty days, but try to
2: fast. Right,
0: do two meals a day.
2: Two meals a day. There you go. A strict protein. Because you you want to be more Christ-like and be buff. Right.
0: Well, you ever seen crucifixions? Jesus is buff.
2: That's right. It's got abs. It's got definition. Yeah. Where are we going? Keep going. Come on. All right. Uh, the other thing, we brought this out last time, is how the temptations are an antithesis to the Lord's Prayer. Yep. So uh, give us this day our daily bread. The devil tempted Jesus to not, to trust in the daily bread, to change the stones to bread, not trusting that God would give him everything he would need, his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, thy will be done, you know, he, taught, he tried to get Jesus to, to test God. And the will of God. The yeah. will of God. And you have uh, the deliverance from evil. He was obviously fighting evil there. And you had uh, thy kingdom come. The devil offers Jesus a kingdom without the cross. I'll give you all these kingdoms, but that's not the true kingdom. Mm-hmm. The kingdom comes through Jesus and through the cross. So... That, so uh, that also is a kind of an interplay that you could have in talking about the Lord's Prayer and the temptations. So you're preaching on this, right? Nope. Oh, that's right. You're gone. I'm, I'm gone. So if you were to preach, what would you add?
0: Oh, boy. What would I add? And then
2: there's a practical aspect of it, of actually... um. Well, dealing with temptation, you know, and I
0: think today, especially, it's it's especially important for our people to realize that there is nothing that is neutral. Okay, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is that uh, for Jesus, the very act of turning bread, you know, stones into bread, would have been sin. Him eating that would have been sin. Stepping off the ledge would have been sin, right? hmm And I think that's the problem, is that we have become accustomed to things being neutral. They're not good. They're not bad. You can do them if you want. But there are things in this world—there's nothing in this world that is neutral.
2: And I think that's something we have to realize, Right. So how would you how would you define that as opposed to Christian freedom? I
0: think with Christian freedom any you know if if you think you can do something because you can, that's not Christian freedom. That's license. Okay. Okay. Mhm. If you approach something with fear and trembling, doing it because you think it's going to please God and help your neighbor, that's true Christian freedom.
2: Okay. So. All right. Vicar, do you have anything to add? <clears throat> well, a couple things.
3: I like how uh, the devil quotes Psalm 91 um, verses, I think it's 11 and 12. But what he leaves out is the very next verse, uh, verse 13. So he's talking about for he will command his angels concerning you, you know, to guard you in all your ways. Uh, he, so he misquotes even, but then he says, "On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot on a stone." What he left out was uh, thirteen says, "You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot." Which also, which all, which ties back to uh, Genesis three fifteen, and the the promise and the and the curse for the serpent. In the Garden of Eden, yep, uh, where God says, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." So, this is one of the uh, threads of Christ victorious, weaved through the Bible, that started in Genesis three fifteen. Good. So, I would probably bring that out.
0: Yeah, and that the Bible that that, that the devil can quote the Bible, right? You know, like you said. Yep. And uh, that just because somebody can quote the Bible doesn't mean that they're right.
3: Yeah, that's one of two things about this text that people might scratch their head is, number one, Satan knows scripture. Yeah. Probably better than you do. Way and better. verse 11, angels came and ministered to Jesus. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a few accounts of angels in the Bible. We never spend a lot of time on them, but they are subject to Jesus and, and they minister to him as well.
0: Yep. And what do you make of that? Well, that he's God. Okay. And they work for him. Yeah, but don't they also work for us?
2: Right, in the midst of your temptation.
0: Only under his authority. Right, I mean, and that's the thing, is that, you know, and we know that uh, they minister to us under his authority, right? Right. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 1, right? That uh, these ministers of flame minister Mm -hmm. to us uh, who are the, the the heirs of salvation, right?
2: And I would imagine after uh, Satan was defeated, he had his angels attend to him as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) What's interesting is, you know, does Satan know that Jesus is the Christ? Does he know that he's the son of God? Well, well,
3: I I think this, I wonder if this was like like a Job situation. Was there some dialogue behind the scenes where he was released and allowed to come? tempt Jesus.
0: You know, because there's that, you know, what, Ewan McGregor movie, right? The guy who played Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. Who, uh, you know, he does, like, kind of a Last Temptation of Christ sort of thing in the wilderness, you know? I don't know when it came out, like, last few years. Uh Uh-huh. So. You're running out of gas. Come on, Berg. (laughs) I'm I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) I know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, and, I mean, I think it's something, you know, to think about. Right? That uh, did Satan know that Jesus was the Christ? If so, if he knew that he was God, why would he ask him? Right? Why mm-hmm. tempt him?
2: Well, the 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 miracle where Jesus drove out the demons is that the first the isn't Mark the first one to recognize Jesus? Is the the demons who? The
0: demons recognize him, right?
2: Right. So what they, is They always what it, recognize
0: him, even right? When the people and don't. so, what is Satan's end game here? What is his point? Get him to give up the cross. But if
2: you know he's God, but but it was according to his humiliation.
0: Doesn't matter. I mean, he's still God. Yeah, he's not going to fall, right? Right. So did Satan see? I think it's. It's a matter of insanity, right? This is what sin does. Sin makes you stupid, and it makes Satan really, really stupid, right? Because he not only tempts him here, but then he also brings him into death, right? Which is his own undoing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something for us to realize: is that Satan, for all of his cunning, is retarded, uh. stupid. <laughs> Whatever you want to say, okay? <laughs> right. He is. He is. He is stupid. He's smart stupid. I mean, he uh, he plays all the little games, but he has to kill Christ. It's like an insane person beating his head against the wall.
3: And he's knowing it's, he's judged. It's like invading a country when you know the world will be against you. Well,
2: don't, don't you think he was also stupid when he Whoa. rebelled in the first place? Maybe.
0: I mean, he might not have known God's uh, omnipotence. Right. But once again, it's self-delusion, right? Mm-hmm. If he created you,
2: he must have power over you, right? So, Yeah, I mean, it's a good time to talk about the how many tom- times do people actually think of the, the kind of cosmic battle that's going on. The cosmic battle and also their own sin. I mean,
0: that's the thing. Sin makes us stupid. That's why... You know, we shouldn't give in to temptation. Right. Because it does. Right. You know? I mean,
2: how often do we as pastors bang our head against the wall thinking... What are you doing? It's clear. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's we, We've talked about this, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so... Right. So, uh, on that note, I thought one thing I would like to do because we're kind of running out of gas. Yes, we are. Um Last time we were scrolling through the sermons, yes, right, and uh, of my father, and uh, we listened to it and commented. Yep, right. So I, I thought I saw one that you did on Exodus twenty. I thought you would like that one. All right. I haven't Let's listened to it. it yet, but I thought that would be a good one for you to pick. All right. So stop me anytime. Why, why would you think that? I don't know. We've been talking about because you t- like the law. We've been talking about it, right? And we actually <laughs> no recently we, we and I think it was at a winkle or maybe on the podcast. That uh, the understanding of the the Ten Commandments and the use of the law is sometimes not fully understood.
1: That's the truth.
2: All right. Let's do it.
1: All right. Here we go. In the name of Jesus, amen. As you could hear from the scripture reading this morning, we have a very brief text to discuss. A very small subject. Why, sticking with a 10-minute limit, I could spend at least one minute on each of the commandments. Stop. <laughs> that is hilarious. Why? Why? Because
2: obviously there must have been a rule. Yeah, like, I mean, like... Guys, yeah, Chapel,
3: we have important things to do. You preached in Chapelburg. Was there much pressure to keep it under the time limit?
0: They tried to... Uh, keep me there. And I mean, thanks be to God, my sermon corresponded to that. But, you know, (laughs) so. But, yeah, it, uh, no, they have their limits. And it wasn't 10 minutes, let's just be honest. I just get more done in seven minutes than most people do in 25. (laughs) Hmm. I know, we listened to that sermon.
2: (laughs) So, I mean, it already starts off with his, you know, His general attitude that you like, right? Which is amazing. I love it. So he's got to spend one minute per... (laughs) Right. Per commandment.
1: All right, let's go. Now, in order to get a handle on a subject as vast as this, I could wax systematic and simply talk in generic terms about the law and perhaps talk about the three uses of the law, for example. But as a rule, I try to curb that tendency ah! <laughs> and try to mirror the text instead.
2: Do you want me to stop there?
1: That's amazing. <laughs> what did he do there, Vicar?
3: Made a pun on the first and second use of the law? <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's next now? He's going to say, well, I, I just uh, keep going for longer, but that's against the, the rules. Oh, man, that's great.
1: I love it <laughs>
0: so much.
1: Alright, we'll keep going. To get right at what I wanted to say, and I admit it's going to sound perhaps rather unsystematic to some of you. It may sound in somewhat violation of the systematic categories that we have learned and I must admit that it may sound on the one hand painfully pedantic or even childish and at the same time sound a trifle unorthodox. The point is that the Ten Commandments as you heard them are good. They are right. They are the best things to do in our life. They are important. They count for something. They matter. They can bring temporal blessings that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. They are basic to a godly life. And they are all of these things for the redeemed people of God. They are-
2: so what do you think he's trying to address here?
0: That the law is simply a bad thing. right? And he's talking about the essence of the law, that the law is good.
3: Antinomians, maybe?
0: Uh, you know, I think that was part of the issue there. I, I, and, I, and I
2: do think part of it is, too, uh, there uh, since I think at the time there's there was a strong reaction, well, we don't want to be pietists or
0: and that's the thing today, right with uh, unfortunately, some groups in the Missouri Senate even, you know mm-hmm. there's such a reaction against legalism that you throw out the law altogether and then it's some sort of like thief who mugs
2: you and right? from, from a historical point of view, I think it does does say something where he has to say those things. In a way that sounds controversial. Right, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that says something like, actually, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the law is good. Right. Right? And this
0: is simply what Paul says. But this is where dogmatics, your sort of arranging of biblical doctrines, can actually get in the way of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Which is... That's his
1: point, and he's right.
2: Should I keep going? Please.
1: They are all of these things for you and me, especially for you and me. Now, somehow or another, I feel constrained almost to say this because the Ten Commandments as such and what they direct us to do have somehow been given a bad name in the church. You yourself may have heard the scripture and said to yourself, Oh, brother, the Ten Commandments, what in the world is he going to do with those things? What is he going to do? Periodically, it seems, we try to get rid of the third use of the law in the sanctified life. Speaking as though the commandments were something to be shunned, to be avoided like the plague, as though they were something ugly. Like, pause it, because Burger, you okay?
2: <laughs> you're trying to destroy the studio. I'm trying to listen to a sermon. Your last time, and you're burning the place down. What's going on?
0: Sorry, it uh, <laughs> got cut on my chair. So, all right. You watched me struggle, and you did nothing. <laughs> Doesn't the Ten Commandments say something about that? All right. So you're listening though right all right It's great because he said I mean he came out and said it right people say that there's no thirties to the law and this is a critique against guys like aler and Alert, and you know those people who mm-hmm. deny it so right and there is a time
2: in preaching where there's still a time That's yeah the problem right where you know? where you don't want to you know I've had to critique vicar sermons once in a while where they say you know, we talk about the law. In the law, you cannot and have not kept in a way that says you shouldn't even try, because try right. you won't.
0: Yeah, that's not the purpose of the law. Right.
2: The law kills, certainly. But That's not a statement about the law. That's a statement about yeah, you. Yeah, how screwed up you are.
1: Right. Or hideous. Along with this, we have a way of studiously... Avoiding altogether saying a word about the sanctified life. Ministers and students of the word, I must say that your your own word is a trifle thinner if you remove the sanctification material from those pages. Even your favorite, that gospel freak, the Apostle Paul, is about half as thick if you take all these things away. What usually happens is we we hear these commandments and then we lump them all together under one word and category we know as the law. And then we glibly say about that one word, I don't like it, all I want is the gospel the result is that we never actually wind up looking at the commandments and what they say to us. We're always dealing with the category. And in so doing, we wind up being hopelessly confused about both law and the gospel. Stop. The Ten
0: Commandments. He's right in a lot of ways. But there is one category that I would categorize the law as, and it's love. Right. Love God. Love your neighbor. And I don't know if he's getting there. He probably is. But, like, because everyone thinks, oh, love. It's so wonderful. Right? Right. Or, or, so the, or the opposite. So, you know.
2: Or the opposite of, of we so we don't like the church because the church.
0: It's so platonic. See what the vicar did there? <laughs> you should give him an A. All
2: right. You get an A for the day. Good. <laughs>
0: That's from last episode. B plus at best. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, is the fact that uh, something that uh, was not necessarily much talked about in his day, but now is, especially, is the fact that what the Church teaches, the Church teaches hate.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Right. Rather than, you want to teach someone how to love, how do you teach them?
0: And, you know, there there are some teachers in the Church who teach that the law is not the eternal will of God. It's true. And some of these books are read at seminary. And mm-hmm. that's not a reflection on the professors that assign such things. However, you just need to be very, very careful. You mm-hmm. do. With that kind of talk of the law. Uh, what, what kind it, of
2: authors? You.
0: Yeah, I mean, wanna... we're talking about guys like Gerhard Ferdi and Steve Paulson. We are. And while they have some good things to say, they have erred on this point. And they don't see the law as it should be seen. Because right. the law is God's love. How should we love God? How should we love right. one
2: another? So so for example, one thing that is kind of more talked about now than it was is the the correction, the instruction. Yeah, um, the training in righteousness. Training, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The
0: uh, the application of scripture, right? Right.
2: Which they didn't really talk much about that. You know at this i think this was a 95 was one
0: when... yeah and it's too bad because i don't know we cut ourselves off from our heritage when we switched to english and just the stuff didn't get translated and it's really sad
2: right
1: all right I'm gonna keep going were given in a context of grace prior to the giving of them at mount sinai god had already chosen israel as his people He had already chosen them as his precious possession that he had tucked away for himself. Long before the commandments were given, he had chosen Israel as his people all the way back to the time of Abraham. And immediately after the text, there are instructions for building an altar. An altar for the forgiveness of sins whereby the fellowship can be maintained. An altar for peace offerings where man's fellowship with God can continue to be enjoyed. And then when Moses simply can't believe that God would actually forgive the people for making the golden calf, God shows himself to Moses proclaiming that he is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, in faithfulness. And it is precisely this gracious God who with all the forcefulness that man can endure speaks the ten commandments to his redeemed people this is his will this is what he wants what goes on in the life of his redeemed people before they get to heaven matters to him It is important to him. It is important enough to name specifics, 10 specifics to be exact. It's important enough to roar them from the mountain. It is important enough to continue in the next chapters with specific applications of those commandments, all the while assuming, of course, that the promised land is already theirs. It is the beauty of the commandments and the importance of the commandments that makes our sins against them so grievous. The more we see that the commandments are good and just and right, the more we see how horribly we have missed the boat by failing to do them. Remember simply this. When you confess your sins, you are not saying that you have a problem with what God wants in his commandments. You are saying that the problem is with you and your sins. Or as the Catechism says, here consider your station according to the commandments. And there is no question here as to who's right and who's wrong when we're making the comparison. So I'm still kind of wrestling
2: with this because obviously he's fired up about this. There's something... Specifically, I think he's dressing, and I'm not sure what it is. Well, what year did Th- this happen? This was a 95. I wouldn't be surprised
0: if this is Gerhard Ferdi, Werner Ehlert, that whole group. Okay. Is what I'm thinking. Okay. All right. If I if I were to guess, I mean— I can ask know, him. <laughs> you should, because, I mean, that's that's great, you know. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I wish he would have, is, you know, quoting Ephesians 2.10, right? Where,
2: uh, well, he only has 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Holy Spirit says through St. Paul, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? That this is like, you know, he's talked a lot about how we are redeemed, how we, you know, but for What? Right, Right. we are actually changed to do good works to the glory of his name, right?
1: All right, continue on. Listen, it calls upon us to examine ourselves not simply according to some generic law Mm -hmm. which is devoid of content, yes, but specifically. According to the specifics of the Ten Commandments. Stop it. That's a
0: great critique, right? Like if the law just you know knifes you in an alley somewhere. Right. right. The law has content. The law
2: condemns you specifically. Right. Right, and I think, I think I've noticed as as I the longer I'm a pastor, the more experience I get. Yeah. The more nuanced I get with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You would well, my, do you my first, it in first your
0: Vickers? I mean, do you notice it in them?
2: Um I would say I I I do notice that uh over time they they do get more nuanced. Mm-hmm. That uh a lot of times um when it comes to the law it, they they go from it being like building up a a sandcastle where you say, we try to do this, which doesn't always connect with people. Right. You know, where I I, I may ask a vicar, they, they learn to actually preach the things that people really do struggle with, as opposed to, you know, talking in general terms about pride or... Right, and that's what he's getting at, right? Like, the law
0: actually has content.
2: Specific, right. right. You know, and that's great.
0: I mean, I don't... Because I
2: just... we, we get nuanced about the gospel in the law we just kind of blah
0: yeah it's like but, uh, you're a sinner
2: right you do you understand what I'm saying yep right I do Um, and also part of that is as well is is they, as they, I they grow d- as a as a as a child of God as well where mm-hmm. where I internalize what the word of God is saying and I apply it more to my sensitive areas and then it comes out in my preaching right you know, we we in our you know I don't know was it like a year or two ago we talked about the Luther's uh uh oratio tentatio meditatio yeah meditadio, right
0: right prayer meditation and affliction yeah right
2: but um, I do think that that as you grow as a preacher and over time and as a child of God those things do come out and you become better at that
0: well it's kind of like when I'll start. I'm a new parish. I mean, there's not a lot you know. Right. You know, you can try and you have yourself to preach against, you know, and to preach, you know, the content of what's there. Right. Right. And that always has a benefit. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing is that even vicar sermons have a benefit.
2: Right. So. Right. Right. So
0: I think. Right, vicar? So So what he's trying. Don't be sad. It's okay. No, I'm.
3: It, it's it's really helpful when you get to know the people because we talk often about sometimes actually Bullhagen will pick up even a name and say, I think you had this person on your mind when you were writing that. And I said, yes. Yep. Because we saw that person this week and, mm-hmm. you
2: know. Right. It's a great blessing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so like themes like uh, clean and unclean, for example. You know, when you, when I was younger as a preacher, I'd maybe focus, we are unclean without actually, like, looking at the law of the text and how it actually applies to unbelief. Yeah. You know, I would speak with it in general terms rather than specific, specific application of the law. Right. So,
1: all right, I'll continue. So you like the sermon? It's good. All right. The violations of the commandments are a terrible thing, a problem so acute that God marshaled all the forces of heaven and earth to cure the problem. It took the Son of God himself to live the beautiful life that we couldn't live doing the will of his Father. It took the Son of God to pour out his lifeblood on the cross, a terrible price for a beautiful righteousness. And living in that forgiveness, what then shall we do? The answer is very simple, and it's seen in the aftermath to the commandments. This same question, what shall we do, basically, arose when, much to Moses' surprise, God forgave them for the golden calf. And God's answer was, For his redeemed and restored people cut two tablets exactly like the first pair. As the commandments were first given to the redeemed people of God, they are given to the redeemed people of God today. Why one might even speak of a a table of duties in a Christian life Ah. (laughs) as Dr. Luther himself does. Love, hey,
2: you like, like how he uh, he takes this argument that the, the exegete would have with the systematic, and he says, "Well, like, you're systematic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> All right. I'm waiting to, for him to bring up his Buick, Buick uh, enclave Enclave. Yeah. It's paid for.
1: Is rejoicing in what is right. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Now to be sure, living under the grace of God, the commandments don't count for our salvation. As Israel was destined for the promised land long before the commandments were given, we too are predestined for eternal life, even before we had the chance to to do or not do the commandments. The safety of our own necks is never in question in the gospel of God's grace. Why, in thanksgiving, we can devote all our attention to Him. And we can devote all our attention to Him by devoting our attention to what He wants. And we pay attention to what He wants by looking at what He wants in the Ten Commandments. In short, it is precisely because the commandments don't count that they do count in the heart of hearts of the redeemed. The problem with us, and oh, isn't that the story? The problem's always with us. As I said earlier, the commandments do sound to us pedantic. Now, they really shouldn't sound pedantic to us if we remember that we are forgiven sinners but they do nonetheless as a matter of fact for many Lutherans confirmation class is the last time in their entire life that they will ever really take a serious look at the commandments stop (laughs) yeah (laughs) that hit a nerve what
0: they were dealing with in 1995 same thing we're
2: doing today. <laughs> all right he, by the way he went over 10 minutes <laughs> he did <laughs>
3: such a rebel
1: like the Pharisees and Pietists or even the Pentecostals we somehow feel like we have graduated beyond the Ten Commandments and in so doing and, and in moving beyond the Commandments we wind up actually violating them. We can have a stewardship program that violates all principles of common decency. As much as I love the liturgy, and I really do, we have to be on guard about insisting on that a person bow at the proper time and kneel at the proper time and all the while not give two hoots about what they do with their bodies on Monday through Saturday. <laughs> we have a way of creating uncommanded church busy work in order to drag people away from caring from their fa- caring for their families and the tasks at hand. Things that are commanded by God. Stop. Instead.
0: No, this is good because it puts everything in its proper place.
1: Right. Right. right.
2: When we talked about uh, crossing yourself, for example. Right. I think that's a good point. Vic, explain what what he talks about, the the bowing and that kind of thing. Genuflecting. Right. Which is a good thing. However. Yeah. Right. When it becomes more important. Than, right. Than how you're spending... The rest of your time.
3: And I'm afraid for some it becomes a an intention-getting thing. Look how piet- pietist I am or whatever, pious. You know, look at me. They're not... I don't know if everybody's doing it for the right reasons, is my point.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's something definitely right. to, you know...
3: But what's more important, I guess, the point is that or the Ten Commandments. Right. And And it shames mm-hmm. people next to you thinking, well, am I supposed to do that? I guess I'll start doing it. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'll do it because you are.
0: Right, and it and, and that's why things need to be explained always if we're right. gonna do them because right. you have to do something some way. Right. It's like we teach our kids to fold their hands for prayer, right, mm-hmm. and bow their heads,
2: right, or like that's when, not a bad thing. Like you know. with with hand actions, like today, we taught a very long Bible verse to four, three and four year olds that they actually learned, and we taught them in what ten minutes. Mm-hmm. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Mm-hmm. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Just as Scripture says, anyone who puts their trust to the Lord will never be put to shame. That long verse, three-year-olds learn in 10 minutes with the hand actions. Yep.
0: Right. And that's the thing, is that that stuff isn't wrong. It's just when it's devoid from faith, like right. it was during this time or an over right. on it or... Like you go back to the St. James Society in the 1960s. I mean, you know And, and I would
2: say this, too. Um, I, I'm guessing that the same crowd that he was talking about with the the bowing and all those th- things were the same guys who were, what, a little light on the law.
0: It could be. I don't know. I mean, I know some of them guys, so it'll be interesting to see. It's a good corrective no matter what. Right. It is.
1: Right. We know that those commandments are not pedantic, they are pedantic only for those who are forgotten that they still are children, children of God. Instead, we pray as the redeemed people of God, make me to walk in thy commands, tis a delightful road, nor let my head or heart or hands offend Against my God. Isaac Watts. Amen. I bet it's Isaac Watts. <laughs> if I were to guess. All
2: right. So so it goes. I I just I like that sermon because I like the when you hear a sermon you try and think about the historical context is kind of interesting.
0: Right. And he doesn't let anybody off the hook. Right. You know. Like the law is preached in its full force here. Mm-hmm. And that it's not like, oh, well, Jesus makes it all better. So it's okay. It's okay that you're a whoremonger. And that's not his point at all. And I love it.
2: It's good. So, well, Berg, it brings us to the end of our show. It does. Are we, are we good on time, Pete?
0: Yeah, a little long. That's okay.
2: Okay. Peter, tell us something fun. <laughs> no, that's not fun. Um, hmm. We should be nice to Peter. We are making by you moving to Wyoming, you're making his job a little more difficult. <laughs> not not a little.
0: <laughs> I mean I can always step back. No I mean, that's fine.
2: I mean, you know. Remember, we invested a lot of money to guilt you <laughs> into staying with it. <laughs> I saw you smile when you heard that in the dedication. Did you see his reaction to that? Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Vicker betrayed me.
3: <laughs> it's for the best Berg.
2: <laughs> so You can buy uh, tiny as,
3: bananas. As Dr. Scare always said, the show must go on.
2: Yeah. And it shall. Well, Berg, I'll probably see you before you leave. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'll be awesome. But you can come help us move too. Sure. Sure. Maybe we can record a show as we're moving. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. We have to put like a little E behind the Explicit. <laughs> but uh um yeah but uh God's blessings god bless you as you do continue to do his work there and uh I look forward to seeing you often through the screen but nonetheless yep
0: and then if you get you know shows in Latimer that'll you know mm-hmm. pay for my stuff to come out you know that'll be <laughs> awesome
2: so uh yeah um yeah i've been uh I must else' say this i was i've been Kind of dragging around since, you know, because I'm going to miss you. I, You know, and I will miss
0: all you guys, too. It'll be right. But, you know, well, I could
2: tell Peter was a little worried about me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, but uh, um, we en- enjoy uh, having you and we'll enjoy seeing you again uh, through the podcast. Indeed. So he will continue to be a part just maybe not every time. That's right. So, uh, any any closing comments before I keep. Uh...
0: Yeah, it's been fun. You know, uh, I'll be still. You know, I'll still be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Not as much as maybe people would want, but that makes you more creative. That's right. So. And I've
2: I've got some people kind of lined up to to be a part. We'll be we'll be getting more pastors involved as well. That'll be good. So. so. Uh, um, uh, so that that part will be fun and, you know, like I said, we we've spent a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like parental guilt right there. It is. But, you know, like a, it it's like a that's, motherly hug. That's, right, that's yeah. right. hopefully hopefully because of You're the, taking a little Iowa ah, passive aggressive with you. Because of
0: the <laughs> large amount of money we spent, uh, <laughs> we actually probably won't even notice a difference on the final product. So, you know, that's why right. you guys because should donate because it's really high quality
2: the podcast. that we spent a lot of money on. yeah because there's no neutral here berg (laughs) there is no neutral (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm bullhagen i'm berg and i'm vicar and may berg it's it's gotta be
0: bergs it's gotta be bergs and may your neutrals not
2: exist thank you for joining us this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, On Twitter at P for podcast or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.